for like 25 minutes before we got on this call, I've been arguing with my friend about if there's more <laughs> wheels or doors in the world. Dude, I'm glad you use your time as wisely as I do. I mean, that's a solid <laughs> investment of 25 minutes. Um, so first of all, it, this was just brought up to me, like literally 30 minutes before we, we like got on this call to talk, a friend of mine brought up this whole wheels versus doors argument. Have you like, have you heard about this? <laughs> no. What is this? Okay. So listen to this. So like about like 30 minutes before I get into a podcast, I like to kind of like, you know, like not talk to anyone. Like I like to, like, you know, kind of like focus to like bring my best self to, to these conversations. And my friend messages me and he sends me this thing where I guess it's been this like thing that's been blowing up on the internet where it's like, what do you think there's more of in the world? Wheels or doors? And at first you're like, that's a preposterous <laughs> question. Like you, you can never like figure that out. But then you start kind of like, well, it must be this one because like blah, 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 blah. And then the other person's like, no, 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 you're clearly wrong because of like this, you know? And so for like 25 minutes before we got on this call, I've been arguing with my friend about if there's more <laughs> wheels or doors in the world. Dude, I'm glad you use your time as wisely as I do. I mean, that's a solid <laughs> investment of 25 minutes, uh, which I'm sure you'll you'll get very much out of. Um, yeah, yeah. My, my first thought, where does your mind go first though? Because mine goes to, for sure, it has to be wheels. But but then I started second guessing myself super fast. See, I and without making this a wheels versus doors podcast, because listen, I'm sure we can spend an hour talking about this because I just did it very easily in 25 minutes. I think it's doors. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going back on it. And my, my the stupid thing is, is my first thought was like, well, every car has four wheels, and then I was like, yeah, most of those cars have four doors. You know, yeah, so exactly. That's, that's kind of shot really quick. But here yeah. is kind of where we, because this is the interesting thing with this argument. This is what I think like, yes, we can never figure it out. But I think within, within that realization, there's kind of something interesting here. Because we've become so used to being able to Google something for the answer and be able to like, okay, argument is finished, right? Yeah. But before we had smartphones and Google, we just used to like, sit around the bar and shoot the shit and like what's the most popular food and like kind of argue about it without being able to prove it and this is like a non-provable argument so it's kind of like bringing what i imagine it was like to hang out with your friends at the bar in the 90s you know dude yeah so um it's totally reminds me of something the city that i grew up in in north carolina there was like a there's a giant uh like oil it's not oil it's like uh a gas there's a huge gas pipeline that runs through there and then there's this these giant tanks of of gas and it's like outside the city it's like an industrial area um but there was this running conversation that was happening for like a decade i think uh in my in my like high school like years before me and probably years after me that was always like there was a rumor like when 911 happened and stuff that like greensboro north carolina was a target on Bin Laden's list because if he hit that gas pipeline, it would blow up the whole East Coast or something stupid like that. And so the the conversation was always like if you were on the bus, you know, or like there would be this conversation like if a bomb hit that, like would your house blow up? 
<laughs> and that's and like and and this but the amazing thing to me is like it's a stupid conversation but this thing lasted for like a decade like people like we didn't have google um you know so i guess i don't even know if you could google it now but you certainly couldn't do it then and this conversation lasted for years uh oh, and probably still beautiful is, you know that's that's, that's, that's what's amazing. going on in the, that's what's going on in greensboro north carolina so <laughs> uh well anyways if you guys want to check out uh for those of us listening welcome to the podcast by the way that's uh, i've never yeah. started a podcast like that before let's but, cut out this uh, uh, this first four minutes right <laughs> no this is this is perfect this is great no people will love this i'm sure you can you guys can go check it out like you know like let us know what you think i'm sh- like if i ever the, this may become like the most popular episode ever with people like commenting not because of anything else that we try to say smart it's gonna be people chiming <laughs> like doors versus wheels but uh so you're in valencia we were just talking about this before we hit record and you were telling me we had to change the date of this call because you were like i'm getting out of valencia why are you getting out of valencia what's going on <laughs> All right. So have you ever heard of this thing called Las Fias? Because I hadn't before I moved to Valencia. I had no idea what it was. No, I haven't heard of it. Okay. Um, I, I am convinced it's the biggest festival in the world that nobody's ever heard of. And and like, I don't think that's a bold statement. Um, this It's insanity for three weeks. Uh, like what, what festival goes on for three weeks? This thing goes on for three weeks. It is all about burning shit down and fireworks and like not fireworks like, you know, 4th of July. Let's shoot some pretty fireworks up into the sky. It's about bombs, um, little little bombs like toddlers with M80s and adults with literal bombs all around the city. Um, nothing really happens. except It's just like a big party for for three weeks. And, uh, anyway, after a while, yeah, it's, it's tough to like, uh, stay focused and everything. So for the last couple of years, um, a lot of locals leave, like it, the city goes from like 1 million to 5 million people for three weeks. And it's just like literally outside my front door right now, there are 300 people with a DJ going speakers, music, people drinking in the streets, partying. It's a lot of fun. Like I said, just for three weeks, you, you, a visitor, it's not really sustainable. Yeah. yeah. So most people, most of the locals leave. I've been here long enough where I guess I'm kind of a local. And usually we uh, we get out of town for the most intense of those days. Um, and those those days are coming up uh, now. I was supposed to be on vacation. I was supposed to be going to Egypt. My wife tested positive 13 days before our trip. And you can't go if you oh. tested positive 14 days before your trip. So we're uh, we're just escaping for a few days and uh, going to go up to Barcelona. How's your uh, how's your dog handling all that? Because I know my dog hears like the slightest like whisper of a firework and like shit hits the fan. Same, yeah. So uh, yeah, my dog's like super sensitive. The people have horror stories about what happens to their dogs during these yeah. these times. We we sent him away to a guy we call Uncle Hugo. Um, he out, lives out in the countryside and takes dogs in, and he's very busy this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got it. Well. Yeah. All right, man. So uh, for those of us, for those people who are joining here, what we're going to do is we're kind of going to do like a random show, uh, just kind of like shoot the shit about uh, a bunch of things going on in the world. Uh, we like to catch up. This is our way of catching up. And we're like, like, why not just like record this conversation and, you know, like let people listen in. But I want to start off with this because it just kind of like just came across my desk. Um, and then we have a, a few different things to talk about. But the first thing I want to talk about is uh, Upwork. So one of the things that when the war in Ukraine broke out, one of the things that like companies did immediately, like Airbnb, for example, like Airbnb removed the fees from their, uh, 
from Ukrainian hosts, right? Essentially enabling people to kind of like donate money through their platform by doing this. And they're just kind of like not taking money from people who are, you know, sending money through their platform. And one of the things that like uh, I brought up and I, a lot of other people in the community brought up as well was like, where's Upwork in this? Like, why isn't Upwork removing the fees from their Ukrainian uh, users, not just people in Ukraine. Like this is like one of the things that uh, to me has been really important is like it, like, yes, the people that are stuck in Ukraine, they need every single penny they can get at the moment. But also there's been, I think the last time I checked, like over 1.5 million refugees who have left Ukraine and have entered countries like Poland, uh, Romania, Bulgaria, where I'm from originally. And those people like don't have a way of making money. Right. Like they can't yeah. just go and get a job in the country that they're now refugees in. There's I'm sure there's just a, a an immense amount of bureaucracy around like like all of that. Right. Like you can't just go get a job. So one of maybe a very few options of ways people can make money is actually remote work. Right. It is yep. like freelancing if you have the skills that you can sell on that. So for me, it's been like Upwork. Why don't you remove the fees from Ukrainian users? Because like literally, if you're just getting started on the platform, they take like 20% of the money that freelancers make. Um, now that is re reduced. If you like earn over $10,000 with a specific uh, person, it goes down to 5%, which I still think is high. And 10K is like not like an easy amount to get to with the same uh, like buyer, right? Like if you're constantly doing new projects with new people, it's still 20%, which is crazy. Uh, so like I wrote in my newsletter, I wrote about this. I've been tweeting at Upwork and, and, uh, Hayden Brown, who is the, um, uh, the CEO over there at, uh, Upwork. I know a lot of other people have as well. Like the folks from safety wing have been really vocal about this as well. And here is, I just saw this actually, um, let me find the actual, tweet because Sam Klassen, who is the head of growth for um, Safety Wing, he jumped on it as well. He was kind of like messaging them and they just responded to him. Um, and here's they said, here's what they said. And this is kind of like what I want to get your opinion on. Uh, they said, in light of the war in Ukraine, we've decided to refund freelancer service fees on Ukraine freelancers project catalog projects. Whether the client purchases your project as a donation, meaning they don't expect any work in return, or purchases a project regularly. So they are removing fees, but only on project catalog, which is like essentially their version of like um, productized services. Like if you as a freelancer have a certain type of like service that you productize, they're removing the fees off of that. But my thing is, and, and first of all, I just want to say, I don't like hate Upwork. Like I like Upwork. I think they're a great platform. Like, you know, they're really, I think, decentralizing opportunity for a lot of people. I think it's a great place to get started. Um, if it's your first time, you know, starting to work online or working as a freelancer, but I'm just kind of like, and I just wanted to say that to preface this, like, I'm not like an Upwork hate or anything, but I'm just kind of confused as to like, okay, you've removed the fees from these project catalog projects. Like, I just don't understand why is it so hard to remove fees from just people that are working hourly, which if you're it's new not. to the platform, if you're new to the platform and you're, hey, I need to make money right now because I'm a refugee. I'm, you know, I don't have a job. I'm living in Ukraine because like we're getting bombed. I'm going on Upwork or Fiverr or whatever. Maybe I don't know not to bring Fiverr into this because I haven't looked into if they've done anything about it. But like, why is it so hard to remove the fees off of like just hourly work? 
I would actually think that would be the easier step to take. It actually seems like a purposeful, and I, I hate to suppose this because I, I could be wrong. I don't know the the mechanics of the platform behind the scenes, but it actually seems, you know, just from from the surface that that would actually be the easier step to take. Would just, I mean, to 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 pick and choose where you're going to remove fees actually seems complicated from like a back end perspective. And that, that doesn't seem to, it doesn't really add up. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Um, I haven't looked too deeply into the, to the response to that particular response. I've been following it from a distance, actually following it through you mostly Mitko. Um, and, uh, and I agree. I mean, this is a, this is a time when companies like Upwork who I, I, I'm with you. I'm not a Upwork hater. I use Upwork. I've, I've used it from both sides of the equation. And uh, I love that, you know, they were one of the original ones helping democratize opportunity, which we talk about so much with remote work. So supporter of that, it's an, it's a time to, to make some sacrifices in that regard. And they, and they have the power to do so. I'm very curious why they haven't taken that step. Yeah. And like, I, and, you know, they have done other things like they've, you know, donated money. And uh, I saw something of like where they're matching donations and all of that is great. But like, like you said, like it's almost like it's almost all of the things they're doing is almost harder than just saying, hey, we're going to take off fees because like we're not going to make money off of people that are getting bombed. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's and like for me, it's also like, OK, great. I'm all for donating money. I'm all for supporting, you know, uh, those folks. And they're going through a very terrible thing at the moment that I can't even imagine. But like there's also a level of putting myself in the shoes of somebody who's like a refugee, for example, donations are helpful, but I can almost like, I would think that there's a level of like pride or um, feeling of self-sufficiency or whatever it is that comes from like, I'm earning this money. It's not somebody yeah. gifting me this money. I'm earning it. I'm in some way like, like putting my life back together. And this is what I'm saying is like every penny counts here. Like, you know, like if these people are getting like a hundred, 200, $300 jobs to start with, like, that the twenty percent of that matters a lot more to that person than that the twenty percent of that a hundred dollars matters to like Upwork, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one hundred percent. And and also, there's something to be said for work providing you some stability mentally and and a, mm -hmm. an escape. You know, I mean, some people really escape into their work. I know for me personally, like during the you know not not to draw this comparison, I'm just saying you know during the the beginning stages of the pandemic, I just was like, I was stoked to work. I was, you right. know, in quarantine, we we're locked down and it, it was, uh, you know, on the surface kind of, kind of miserable, but like I retreated to work and, you know, that had some negative consequences down the road, but people like to retreat to, to, to their work sometimes. And it gives them a sense of like meaning and an outlet. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 100%, man, you want to, you want to earn that. Um, and, and not feel like you just have to accept donations, you know? So, um, yeah, that's yeah, and, it's kind of mind blowing. And to support what you're saying, like I have a friend, for example, who um, his startup they use a team of Ukrainian developers. And when the war started, he was like, "Hey, like I, we can stop this project. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, the most important thing is like that you guys are safe." And they're like, "No, no, no, no. Like, like we want to continue working. Like, they were like, you know, like give us like." Like they said, like, you know, they got away to somewhere safe, but a, like, they're like, like you're saying, like, it gives us like an escape. Like we need to be doing something, not just like worrying constantly. But then the other thing is like, they need money, you know? And so, uh, I totally yep. agree with you that, you know, 
it is financial, but also it is an escape. It gives you some sort of meaning. So, you know, like all of this to say, like, neither one of us are Upwork haters. Like, I, I think Upwork is a really great platform. I think just we as a remote work community, like this is actually one of these situations where like we can do a lot because, you know, helping these folks that have been displaced because of the war actually like earn money uh, not only helps them, but it also helps the countries that are taking them in to continue to support them because we know what happens with these refugee crises. Even if you go into it, like, you know, taking people in just to help, it tends to like create instability and things bubble up. And so as a remote work community, this is why I kind of like continuously bring this up, bring this up is like every little bit that we can do as a community to like support these people because we have a way of doing so in this situation. I think we should do it. So, um, if anybody over at Upwork is listening, I, we'd love to get like an explanation at least as like, why, like, is there some sort of reason that maybe we don't know that they're doing this? Like, have they done some sort of calculations in the back end that we don't have the pre, like, like just get, give us an explanation. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe maybe um, that's where like all the revenue come from. You know, maybe it's like they look at it and they're like, oh, that's where 80% of our, of the revenue from Ukraine comes from the catalog. Uh, it, it, there could be a very logical right. reason like that. And, um, and, and something to piggyback off of that you just said there is like, do use that voice. You know, you talk about the remote work community, if anybody's listening and this, you know, strikes a chord with you. I mean, do use that voice because I've talked to several people, um, including people within my own organization. And I know what kind of gone on behind the scenes there, but at lots of companies who are like, not really sure what to do. I mean, there, there Mm -hmm. is a little bit of an unprecedented situation here. We live in a global, this global economy that, uh, this very flat world where you have, you know, I work on a team of a hundred people in in 35 different countries, right? So every third person's from a different country that didn't happen in world war two, you know? Right. And, right. Yeah. And so we've, we're, we're experiencing something here that's, that's different and we're trying to figure out what's the right response. Um, you know, and, and, and people don't really know and they're, and they're looking for ideas. So, um, you know, there, it could very well be Upwork dragging their feet purposefully. It could be that they've got analysis analysis paralysis or they've made a bad decision. Um, but you know, I, I don't, I don't really care about giving the benefit of the doubt or not. My point is to, to speak up, use your voice and, and express that to them if it strikes a chord with you, because they, uh, they could use the advice, you know, they can use the, the mm-hmm. suggestions that you have to give. Yeah. And also an important point to make on this is like, I feel like there's all these companies now that have like said, like, and we're not going to talk about this the entire time. I'm sure that like everybody's news feeds are full of this, but I do think it's important, like we're saying, to like talk about this uh, in terms of like what we can do. Um, there's a lot of these people that are like, oh, look, so and so company pulled out of like Russia and Belarus, right? Like they're not doing business with them. You know, they're ta- taking action. That's not the co- like the companies can't function in those countries. Like so, it's like their PR departments are like, oh, this is great. Like we'll show that we're doing something. Like like. Coca-Cola or whoever it is, like, can't, literally can't do business in those countries. Like, they're not, like, <laughs> putting, like, leaving money on the table out of, like, their the goodness of their hearts. It's because they've been, like, forced to do that because they can't function in those countries. So, like, demand more of these companies, you know. I think, you know, Airbnb with, uh, you know, Airbnb is not a perfect company in many ways, but I feel like they were very quick to in many ways, like, you know, they saw what the community was doing with these donations where people were booking rooms and not, you know, going to them, obviously. And they helped facilitate that. They immediately put together like funds 
to help assist people and like house the refugees and make it as easy as possible for that. So like demand more from these companies, you know, God knows some of these companies and I'm not talking about like small businesses. I'm talking about these giant corporations that make so much profit. Uh, you know, these are the moments when we need to ask them to give back a little bit to us as a global community. Oh yeah. 100% man. You, you nailed it. And, um, and, and that, that point is really, needs to be well received like uh if if you work in any company that has a global footprint and perhaps uh derives a decent chunk of revenue from from Russia like you you know i mean immediately those doors are slammed shut and you see it on mm -hmm. the uh on the balance sheet really quickly so yeah the, this isn't all just out of the goodness of their heart and there's also something really disgusting about like using the situation to as a PR stunt um i know i know like it do us we decided like very quickly like whatever we do like we're we're going to do some things we're going to do what we can to help uh, but we don't need to use this to our advantage in any way there's just there's just something that doesn't sit right about that obviously and uh it's kind of gross to see that at, at times especially when the real narrative is is like you just actually can't do business there <laughs> you know like right, you're, yeah. you're spinning it as this decision that you made but the decision was made for you so uh yeah that's that's a little frustrating so Putting, you know, a bow on that conversation and moving on, because we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. Um, again, if anybody uh, wants to find a way to help, by the way, um, there's tons of resources out there uh, that are floating around the internet. Uh, I think Safety Wing, I've brought them up a few times. Uh, I've been in communication with the folks uh, behind the scenes who are uh, in that company, and they're putting together some resources. So uh, head over to their website. I know for certain that they have good resources. I'm sure there's lots of other companies as well uh, that, uh, have resources if you want to help. So, um, feel free to do that. But, uh, you mentioned Doist. Uh, so let's kind of like segue into that because you guys just got done, uh, running, uh, your first, I think it was like your first in-person retreats since COVID, right? Uh, and definitely yeah. since you've been the head of remote there. So give us kind of like, what was your experience with that? I know a lot of, maybe this is, uh, the first opportunity, you know, many companies have gone remote since, uh, you know, COVID started, uh, and maybe they're thinking about doing their first in-person retreats, which you and I are in agreement that that is a very important part of running a, you know, healthy remote company. So what, are, what were some of your experiences and like, what were some of your lessons learned that we can pass on to, to other folks who are thinking about doing this? Yeah, man. I mean, you, you and I totally agree on this. And it's funny when I come across people, that don't, I generally can see other people's points of views, um, on things. Like I can put myself in their shoes and be like, yeah, okay, I see your side. Um, but, but when people who are behind remote teams don't see any value in, in IRL in real life, get together as co-located events, um, I can't see their side. <laughs> like there is something yeah. so powerful about getting people together and, and, you know, bringing them up together. If it's just one week a year, um, I've said this, you know, somewhere before, but like it pays dividends for, for months to come having that time together. So I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, I've been planning our, what we call mini retreats for, for several years. So before I was doing the head of the remote thing, um, here at Doist, I was also, you know, just kind of coordinating our, what we call mini retreats, um, for, for my team and stuff. And so always had a good time with that. Always saw it as an opportunity and, you know, well worth the, the investment that we put into it. And, um, and want to make them great and fun, you know, want to go to exciting opportunity, uh, to exciting locations and, and get a chance for people to get to know each other better and get a little bit of work done. It's not really about the work, but more about like, you know, the time spent together and stuff. 
And, um, and, and so, yeah, we wanted to come bring those back. Finally, we tried to do it early in Q1, but the, uh, Omicron wave (laughs) hit us right. Like literally the peak of the Omicron wave was the day they were supposed to uh, be starting. And, uh, so we moved them all back. So yeah, just, just now here in March, finally getting underway. And, um, it's been awesome. One of the big things that I learned though, is that, you know, our, uh, our social skills have, we, t- we took a hit, man. Like we, <laughs> we, uh, we got used to being alone and, uh, and the most extroverted of extroverts are a little less extroverted these days. Um, so we, people got exhausted, like just the in-person interaction, you know, constantly being surrounded by 10 people, um, full itineraries, even though we tried to create like very chill, casual itineraries and agendas, um, we were slicing and dicing those things. Like, like, no, nah, man, let's cut that workshop out. Uh, yeah, we had that boat tour. That thing's gone. Let's go. Let's just go, uh, kind of chill out for a little while. So anyway, it was a, it was a, that was like one of the main things that I learned was like, we got to really take a step back. Uh, I compared it earlier to like a muscle that's atrophied and we mm. got to work it out again. What is your, I feel like this is always the, uh, like the discussion when it comes down to like doing these in-person retreats is like, like, do you do like work or do you focus more on like activities and fun things and kind of like, uh, you know, like what I qualify as like water cooler stuff, you know what I mean? Like kind of like team building things like, like, how do you guys view that? Is it something that you like, don't really like, you're not like we're doing 80% this 20% this, but you kind of just let it happen naturally. Or do you happen or do you actually have like a, like a methodology to that? So I have a little bit of it's it's a interesting question because I have multiple answers to the same question. Um, you know, it's if if I could just do every if I was a dictator and just did things my way, um, then I would lean super heavy on the water cooler, casual, organic time together, free time, um, some planned activities. I would probably go like seventy five percent that where you just give lots of free time with some structure. Um, you know, some optional activities, but also a lot of options just to kind of choose your path within the the time frame given and about 10% work. Um, and then, and then fill in the rest with some like hardcore, like, you know, team building activity, or like, we're going to go do this tour or this ropes course or something like that would be, would fill in that last, what, 15%. Um, but the truth is, I mean, you have differing opinions on this, you know, I'm, I'm working in my situation. I'm kind of consulting with the team leads of all these individual teams who have their own agendas and and mm. some people want to lean you know they want to flip that upside down and go really hard into work and it's my job to kind of rear them back and say you know that's not what this time is for i think the the point is you know you can you can look at a lot of different percentages what i've kind of landed on is like 20% work 30% planned activities and 50% free time um, organic, you know, time for rest, rest and re- rest and recharging is super important. Um, so if you got half your time kind of dedicated to that, then at least you're kind of more or less optimizing for that. I think the point is that what people get wrong a lot is they really try to optimize for, for, you know, getting shit done in this week. And they think mm. that, okay, we're going to be co-located. Now we have to conquer the world. And that's sounds logical. Like it sounds like, we're okay. We're going to invest all this money, all these resources, and bringing people in across the world to a co-located place. We're going to build this agenda. We're going to do all these things. Let's make sure we make it count. I get that, but then break that down and be like, 
but really what are we going to get done in like three days? <laughs> and like, right, like how, right. and, and how important is that? Like, could we not probably get that done asynchronously or virtually? Like how powerful is it being together? Is that why we're really here? And the answer is no, you're really there for those, like those dividends. Again, the, the dividends that are going to be paid because you got to know your head of product and how that guy works and how he thinks and what's really important to him or that conversation with the person in finance who, you know, you were kind of button heads with on this project, but now you really get along. Um, th those are the things that really make these things worth it. And, and so I try to optimize for that. Also, if you're like, if you're on the, on the side of like, Hey, when we bring everyone together, like this is our time, like you said, it's like conquer the world and like really get shit done. Why are you working remotely? Like, you know exactly. what I mean? Kind of like goes completely against the ethos of like, we're way more productive and focused when we're like working remotely. So when we come together, like for me, when I say like, do work, I feel like it's more like strategy or vision sort of things where it's not like, let's sit down and like bang out, you know, like three blog posts for our SEO demands. You know, it's like, it's more like these, like, uh, I remember seeing Noah Kagan shared, and this was years ago. This was before COVID. So at this point, my memory could be faulty and I could be imagining things and putting things <laughs> in place that like weren't really things. But like he kind of said like, you know, he brought in their um, uh, uh, sumo, you know, uh, he's got the whole sumo companies. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but they were kind of like all vision kind of stuff, right? So it was like 50% fun things and the 50% of it that were work were way more like vision, strategy, getting to know each other, like these sort of things. Not like, I have, et cetera, et cetera, a task that's very specific that I need to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, I, we kind of landed on the same thing. Actually, I ran a workshop at the, uh, at the retreat that was based on like, how do it was called like, how do we retreat? And it was kind of like, what, mm. what is really the point of these? And how are we going to take these to the next level? Because I'm a big believer that the retreat is kind of like, the the Googleplex was right like ten years ago or something when it was like cool to have a cool office. I think retreats mm -hmm. are kind of that next thing. As more teams go remote, your offsite has to become really cool. It has to become something that people look forward to. It's going to become something people compare from company to company. It's a way to attract talent. It's a way to retain talent. Um, these things are super important. So we need to do it at a really high level. And you know, just kind of the whole the whole kind of purpose behind my, my job is like, how do we take things that we've been doing that are fine, but, but do it at a higher level. And, um, and so retreating is, is one of those. I mean, we spend a ton of money on it. Remote teams spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions even. Um, I know some that have a couple million dollar budgets for these things and they got to be done well. And, uh, yeah. and so the, what the thing we landed on though, is like vision alignment is that's what we're real in terms of work. However you want to define what we're going to do and, terms of work, it all needs to come back to, to vision alignment and reinforcing the core values and, and all that stuff. So um, that's the point. I mean, that's the, that's the real point. Do you guys ever do like the whole company like yeah. come together? Okay. Like yeah. how often yeah. do you do that? Like once a year or is that like a more rare kind of thing? Yeah, no, it's so each of those we do once ideally, you know, like X of COVID, uh, we would do right. one rich team retreat or company retreat, like the whole company getting together in a co-located place. And then about six months later, we would do a mini retreat, um, which mm. is like the individual teams getting together. And and so, and then we're also looking at something, you know, when I talk about like raising the bar, we're looking at a couple other ways of doing more retreats. We, we actually decided 
we want to try to do a third one, um, which would be either something like a geographical retreat. Um, so like, you know, everybody that's in Europe gets together and everybody in Mena gets together and America's, um, or like purposefully kind of cross pollinating teams and saying, okay, this year, like the design team and the Android team are going to go to Barcelona and hang out for a Mm. week. Um, so, and then we're also looking at like leadership retreats and stuff. So there's, um, we'll probably do more in the future, but currently right now it's, it's those two and they're about every six months. Dude, I've, I totally agree that I think this is kind of the future. And I think this is like a really big, like forming industry and just like, there's just something that's like new now with like remote work becoming so popular. It's like a, a whole new industry or sub industry kind of like forming. And this is something we've talked about before as well, where it's like, I, I think, you know, doing, like you said, like a team retreat where it's your entire team doing your entire company so that you're not, you get to know people, you know, outside of your team as well. But then also there's like the third level of like getting to know other remote teams, like from other companies and kind of doing it more as like, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like an event or like a conference or whatever is also very beneficial, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of like, uh, you and I were talking about this once off, off the air. Um, we do talk off the air, people can uh, believe us or not (laughs) Um, that like it would be super cool if there was like a, you know, a co-living that um, was set up to specifically host people from remote companies Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, people from company A, B and C's can get together and, you know, kind of swap ideas, just co-work together. Uh, You know, I mean, you just never know what can come from those things. And, and it's such a, like a open community in the, it doesn't feel like competitive, like even companies that are, in the same industry, there's a, there's a remote worker, uh, here in Valencia that works for Trello. And like, we, we talk and hang out and like, you know, it's, it's no big deal. So you have these, like, there's more of a united front around the remote work aspect than there is like a competitive front. It would be super cool to put these people in the same building for a week or two weeks and see what happens. I think it's because we're like digitally native or like, internet native and i think why that's a difference is like remote companies have to be digital companies right like they need to be powered by the internet and when you're powered by the internet you have more of this like uh you don't have like the scarcity mindset because you're not like two air conditioning companies in the same small town in the midwest battling it out for like a very finite number of like customers right it's like I feel like online companies and like with that comes like remote teams and like remote first companies is like a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. And it's like, great. Like we have literally like, we, we could both be very, very successful companies and be very, very profitable, uh, and be in the exact same space. And it like, you know, that's not really a problem. Exactly. I mean, that, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you look at the like statistics related to like, you know, smartphone adoption and tech adoption across the world like there's only going to be more people with more devices in their hands so everybody in the in the tech world is just kind of like got abundance mentality and like yeah yeah you know i hope you guys do great i hope we do great um Mm -hmm. that's awesome you know there's some a-holes out there too don't get me wrong but (laughs) (laughs) that's that's gonna be the uh the the behind the paywall podcast episode is where we just shit on like remote companies we don't like (laughs) You know what really grinds my gears? Yeah. (laughs) 
Perfect. All right. I want to shift over to something else that this just came across uh, for me in the news. Uh, every week, for those of you listening who don't know about this, I, I send out an email with like all of my uh, kind of call them like my top five, like the most interesting news or things that I've seen across the internet. You can sign up for it if you want to. It's at that remotelife.com forward slash remote insider, little pitch. Uh, but this didn't make it into this week's uh, newsletter. Uh, and it's this, uh, because I saw it afterwards, but it's this article that came out from, uh, it's usnews.com uh, shared this article and it's titled The Great Return, right? So we had The Great Resignation. I even saw The Great uh uh, what was it? Retirement. Like, I guess like lots of people were like, fuck it. I'm retiring. Uh, which makes sense. <laughs> I didn't but, see that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I think we might be in, not in the, uh, age group where that, you know, really went viral. Um, yeah. but there's this whole thing now called the great return because a lot of companies that, you know, took their workforces remote are now pulling these people back. Um, and so some of these companies are like, for example, um, uh, let me see here. We got uh, Twitter, Google, American Express, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, uh, a bunch of large companies are essentially saying, all right, we're bringing you guys back. Now, here's the interesting part about this. And I think there's like two different conversations to be had here. I, I think the first conversation, I'd love to get your opinion on this is like, what do you think about this in general? Like, do you think like, I mean, because I was all like, this is it, game over, remote work wins, it's over, Right. And now we're seeing these companies pulling people back. So were we wrong? Like, did we miss something in that equation? That's the first thing. Um, let's talk about that first. Like, what do you think about that without me diluting this aspect of it? Like, what do you think about <laughs> this move? Do you think it's like signaling some, like a miscalculation in our point or, or just where's your head at with that? So I, I feel like it's like this pendulum that's going to swing back and forth and it'll never, the pendulum's never just going to like stop on one end of the spectrum, right? So like the pendulum swung really hard in the remote work wet favor and everybody had to adapt to that. But there was like this inevitability that it was going to come swinging back. Mm -hmm. um, it may not go, it's not going to go all the way back to the other side of the the spectrum that it was on before, but it's going to, it's going to ebb and flow a little bit. And I mean, I think this is even true on like the individual level. I've got a, right. one of my, my best friends works at, um, at Google, I won't. I guess I won't say his name, but I don't mind saying he works at Google, and he had to go. Um, he had to go remote during, and I say had on purpose because he was forced to go remote during the pandemic, um, and he loved working at his office, and like he and he hated being remote, and and I would argue that he didn't have a horrible remote experience, and he's been stoked to go back to the office. He can work literally wherever he wants. He's totally location independent, um, but he loves going into the office. And so, the, you know, that that person exists and uh, and there are companies who do who do know how to do remote work and hybrid work at, at the best in the best possible way they can do it. So um, I think I think those things can be true at the same time and say, you know, remote work, remote work is still winning uh, this, this you know battle or there, it's still it's still in a better place than it was. There's tons of new technology. There's tons of best practices being shared. Um, tons of new services and, and, you know, people out there speaking about how to make remote work work. And so I don't, like, I feel like <laughs> I it's like, say that. come, I don't, I like, do I put a comma there? Um, but I yeah. feel like it's like, it's come so far and that, and I kind of hate to dilute that by like, okay, yeah. So, you know, one company wants to go back. Well, go, go for it and let's see how that works. Like, I think the, in the end, what I believe will shine through is 
flexibility will will kind of prevail. I think that's the big thing yeah. is like people will have options and they won't be just confined to the one option of like, well, if you want to have a real career, then you got to go to an office. Um, and that's, and that's cool with me. Like that, that sits well with me. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like people are different, right? So like the same way that like some people are really stoked about working remotely, some other people might be like, nope, that's not my personality. I want to be able to go into the office. And then there's also the, the other option, which I think you kind of like, you know, like, uh, you know, alluded to is like, you can have different seasons, right? Like if you go remote for three months and you're like, okay, this was sweet. Like I really dove into that. And then in three months you might be like, all right, like I could, I could do some office time now. Like I could, you know, I'd like to have a little, you know, something new, you know, and then you might do that for four months and be like, all right, actually I'm going to go, you know? So like, I think that that's also a very viable option. And then there's the, just the other the other level of this conversation, which they even uh, mentioned in this article, is like, I don't really think of Goldman Sachs as like a very like forward thinking, creative <laughs> bunch of managers. I kind of think of like old white rich dudes who are like, no, I want control. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so there's probably a little bit of this also where, and also very, very much like they have huge like investments in terms of real estate. Like these companies have like massive offices. Uh, they're not just going to be like, fuck, that's a, an investment that we're just going to throw away, you know? Right. Um, so there's also, that's also a part of the equation is there, you know, there's some level of like, we want people and we want control. Um, I have people in my family whose bosses are just like, nope, like I just want, I just want to be able to see everybody working, which to me yeah. is hilarious. But like that's, and it's their company, like they they have the freedom to, to do that, you know? Um, so there's, it's doesn't, a multifaceted but, conversation. Dude, doesn't it just feel like it's like some guy just being like, like, no, nah, man, listen, we've been doing fax machines and mail for decades and we are not switching to this email thing like that. I can't, I, we, we're, we're just not going that way. This is what's worked for us. This is what we're sticking with. I just don't, I can't understand that, that old white guy who's sitting there going like, yeah, this is definitely the way forward. I mean, the 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 evidence is so much in front of you that you can totally make remote work work. I just don't I don't understand how you can make a logical case that that it won't work at a, even at a firm like that. Um, I think the key word there is logic because yeah. you logically can't. But we're not like we're as animals. Like we're not necessarily the most logical like like things yeah, that's machines, fair. you know. Because like you can also think about it this way. Like let's let's change the conversation or like uh, adjust the conversation. We're all for remote work. We're all like yes, e even emails outdated. Like we're all very forward on this. But I have a lot of friends where you bring up the metaverse and they're like no fuck that. Right. Because it's like it's that next step. Right. And it's where even though you can say like, OK, I understand that like right now it's not the thing that like you want it to be. But in like 10 years, the technology is going to be here. And like logically, look at all these benefits. And there's so many people even my age. I'm about to turn 29 that are like, no, 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 no. That too far. Like we've gone too far. You know what I mean? It's just it's just that next step. And like you're always kind of going to be like, this is the way we've been doing things email i am baby like that's the sweet spot you know it's just like that's just the normal progression of these conversations yeah i'm i'm an old enough man where i feel like that with the metaverse i'm like man y'all couldn't wait just a little bit longer like you know you just had to you had to get that out there like right away i mean we're we're just trying to get people on this remote work train and you guys are like yeah but let's do it in the metaverse <laughs> <Come on. laughs> well you know what's funny is i was just listening to uh 
uh, Lex Friedman had this episode with, um, oh my gosh, his name is escaping me right now. Um, the writer of Wait But Why. Uh, do you know what his name is? I don't know. You ever heard know. of Wait But Why? Oh, it's, uh. it's a great, uh, what is his name? It's going to come to me. But great, great website. I highly recommend you go check out Wait But Why. But essentially it was these two very brainy nerds that are very, very much like, like, like they're they're just nerds, but like interesting to listen to, and they were talking about like like the next step. You know what I mean? Like they're already talking about that. Like they're like the metaverse is happening. Old news. They're talking <laughs> about like what happens when if they can get Neuralink to like work, and like what does that do to like our society and how we interact. And they're talking about all this, and I just was like, I was on a walk yesterday listening to this conversation. I was like, too far. Like we, yeah. like, <laughs> this is this is where like the line is crossing for me, and I caught myself going. You know, that's what they were saying is like, we're going to be, you know, they're talking about like, imagine being able to like communicate an idea or a design just by your thoughts, because like actually like our verbal language and our motor skills can't do as good of a job as like this, explaining this idea as like we can like with our ideas and how like our, our grandkids are going to be like, let me just sh like neural link this to you. Like, no, 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 just tell me about it. You know, like, I don't, like why do you have to text me? You know, like it's, it's that sort of thing. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, the the old man and me. I'm an I'm an old soul, Mitka. I have uh, I, that I struggle with it. I'm like, oh, let's let's just uh, let's slow down a little bit. No, but I mean, it is it is funny though because it this conversation does move really quickly, and it does feel like already, you know, you like you be, you better get on board with the metaverse concept, and like even from a from a work standpoint. Um, there's all kinds of things emerging that are connected to this. The offshoots from just the word metaverse mm -hmm. are insane and you have to be, you know, two, three steps ahead to, to be able to absorb it all. But this is also like, you know, we've been talking about this, or at least like I've been talking about like the, the real next skill that you need to figure out is learning how to learn because statistically speaking, they're saying that already, you know, this you know, people a little bit younger than myself, even coming into the workforce, they're going to have multiple careers because we're finally coming to this point where technology has sped up to a point where we're going to have multiple technological revolutions inside of one lifetime. So it's not going to be like, oh, the internet came in the middle of my career and I had to figure out the internet. It's going to be like virtual reality and the metaverse and like all of these things that you're going to have to constantly be like, it's going to keep like reshuffling the board and having this muscle, you know, like you talked about like a muscle that's atrophied, you know, it's like this like social communication. It's kind of the same thing where you need to build this muscle of like, all right, the board's reshuffled again. Let me figure out yeah. what the next five, six years look like. Great. In six years, the board reshuffles again, this new, th you know, so like that is something that I think we need to build a muscle for. Yeah, I mean, and how do you feel about that? Like, do you feel excited or exhausted? Because I think it's like it's there's that spectrum again, and it's like you're you're on one end, or or you know, you're, there's two ends to it, and then it's either that either really excites you because you get to constantly learn and constantly be kind of advancing, or it's like, man, I'm just never I'm gonna be always keeping up with the Joneses trying to figure out the next new thing, and uh, and I think there's a lot of people that that lean towards the latter there, where they go, you know, it would be great if we just like slow down. Can we just keep using smartphones for a little while and like not go to Neuralink? Cause I don't want to learn how to use that. And, and but, but I, I do, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle because this new stuff is exciting. I mean, it is, it's, it's pretty inspiring and you hear people, you know, you hear the nerds talk about it and you go like, these people are incredibly intelligent in, in developing some technology that is just absolutely mind blowing. 
And there's something very alluring about that as well. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, you know, can swing both ways on this in terms of like, I mean, I'm very excited about it, but is it just because the things that we're talking about are in my scope of interest? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, am yeah. I excited about these updates because they're in some way part of topics that I am very, very interested to learn about? Like, what if it's in something that like I just don't like care about? You know, like, <laughs> then I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, I don't really care. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would say I'm very excited about it, but there is also like, uh, you know, with newer, we keep bringing up Neuralink as if it's like right around the corner. Um, but it's like, there is a part of, of, I remember my dad used to tease me when I was younger. Like I must've been like, what, like eight, nine, because I was in Bulgaria still. But I very much remember my dad teasing me about this. Like I really wanted a cell phone when cell phones came out. And my dad was like, by the time you get old enough for us to buy you a cell phone, there's going to be like a chip that's like implanted in your brain. And like, <laughs> you're never even going to have a cell phone. And even though like, I would be like, oh my God, that'd be so cool. But like, I want the thing, like I want like the gadget tree, like the thing to, you know what I mean? There's like a level of like, like having the, the gadget to play with. That's fun for me. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. wondering if it does become like a, like it's, there's no gadget. It's just like, like, like Neuralink <laughs> floating in the air or whatever. Somebody's listening to this, like Nick is like an idiot. <laughs> has no idea how this works. But like, is it going to be as much fun? Because I'm totally like a gadget person, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a that. I mean, that's this is technology addiction where uh, where we can't wait to see the new shiny toy, and they're coming out super fast. I saw some statistic the other day that was like, I don't know if you you might help me remember the actual number, but it was something like we get as much stimulation in a day now as someone in 1900 got in their entire lifetime, I believe, or, or maybe it was like it. in a 10 year period or it was some, it was some like, it just put in perspective that you're like, man, we're blasted with stimulation all day, every day. And it's only coming at a, at a faster pace. And, um, somehow we keep up, you know, I mean, we evolve, we, we keep up, but it's kind of mind blowing to consider that like, and, and how much, like at what pace will that continue to accelerate, you know? Yeah, that reminds me of this meme I saw. I follow this Instagram account called History and Memes, which is just incredible. I highly recommend people to check it out. But <clears throat> it was this meme that had like, it was like a triptych, like it was divided in three. And it was like people in like, you know, 300 AD. And it was like, it's been a good life. I'm 21. Twice I had berries and once an orange. And then like people today are like, I'm not ready for this relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's just so like, what we're like, you know, at 21, 22, your life was basically over. And like, now we're like, no, 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 no. Like I, I just got out of school. Like, you know, I'm not ready for this commitment. Um, but to kind of like shift back into, we, we, we went off a big tangent, uh, bringing back this great return thing. One of the things they talked about, and I want to get your opinion on this is companies going towards this, like what you were saying is like, you know, some people may want to work remotely for part of the time, others want to go into the office. And so what companies are shifting to is this like, quote unquote, hybrid model, right? Where they're like, hey, part of the time you can go work from home, the other part of the time we want you in the office, like they're kind of trying to like, have their cake and eat it too. And here's my thought on this. And I want to get your opinion as well. I don't think hybrid work is a good idea. Uh, I think it's a very slippery slope. And the reason why is not necessarily that I don't think there's some happy medium between the two, meaning like being able to work from home, work remotely, work from anywhere, and then work in the office. What my concern is that if you lead with a hybrid first ideology in your company, 
you're naturally not going to take the steps needed to make remote work sustainable, right? Yeah. It's almost like when you think about like Basecamp, which I like literally wrote the book on remote work in many ways. Like they also function, or at least last time I checked, this may have changed. They also have an office, like they have a Basecamp office in Chicago, but the entire company is built on top of remote first ideas and concepts so that the people who are like, no, I never want to come into the office don't miss out on anything. And that's what concerns me is if you lead with like a hybrid first model, you never really adopt <clears throat> the things on a basic level that are needed in order for the people who are hybrid leaning towards remote to like succeed. What do you think about that? I couldn't say it any better than what you said, man. You, you absolutely nailed that. Um, it is a slippery slope and it sounds like the best of both worlds. You know, it sounds like, oh, well, people that want to work remote get remote and people who want to be in office get an office and, you know, we get our collaboration, but we get our freedom. But that's really hard to pull off. Like, like that's, that's a fantasy. Um, and, and I'm not saying that hybrid can't be done. Like, I, I don't agree with that statement. I feel like, well, what is your definition of can't? Because Google is hybrid and they're doing just fine. So like, you know, don't tell me that Google doesn't function because they're hybrid. Um, but the, the problem is, is that if you, as you said, if you don't have remote first baked into the, the way that you're going to operate, then you can't really focus on things like asynchronous communication. You can't avoid mm -hmm. the fact that the people in the office are going to end up getting preferential treatment, going to get promoted. They're going to be closer to where the action is and where the decisions are being made. So what does that say to the people who are, you know, in satellite offices or working remotely? They, don't they then feel like they got to come into the office? And then where where does this go? You know, it's, it is that slippery slope. So I just think that you have to do, you do kind of have to choose and and not choosing one or the other is sort of choosing. <laughs> it's, it's choosing a, a bad way forward. So the way I think hybrid can work um, is like if you basically build the hybrid organization as a remote first organization, mm -hmm. but you offer the flexibility to come to an office for those that truly want to. You have to be very intentional about like making sure that your leaders are not all located in that office and that you have tools and best practices that support remote first mentalities. Uh, but if you if you want to offer that level of flexibility so that the people like my buddy that I was talking about earlier who loves to go to the office can do that as much as he wants. But then at the same time, the guy on his team who wants to be a digital nomad and travel the world can do that and they don't get a drastically different experience then then I'm all for it. I just think it's like a lot of companies aren't going to put in the effort to make that work because it's way too easy just to go to what they what they know and and that is an office-based mentality. So I think that's that's the the rub there is that in reality, you know, what 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 they say and what they do are going to be two different things. Yeah, my concern is like exactly what we talked about is I feel like companies are seeing the data that says like nope, people definitely want the flexibility. Do you know what I mean? And they're like, okay, yeah. great. What is the easiest way for us to check this box? And the easiest way for us to check this box is to just say we're hybrid and that we That's offer it. quote unquote flexibility, but we don't do the actual hard work of like, like building the base that we need for that to like succeed. Right. And so there's like, in like, there's these companies that are like, or I saw people on Twitter that were like, finally companies are realizing that like remote work isn't like, uh, you know, uh, 
doesn't work and it's not productive. And I'm like, I don't know, man, like Automatic has 2,000 remote employees, has never had an office, and they like run basically half the internet. So like I think like that it's not the problem isn't remote. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. is the fact that like companies thought that this was like they were like, okay, great, COVID is happening, even if it happens for two, three years. What is the simplest solution? What is the band-aid that we can put on this that can hold things together until we can go back to normal? Uh, and they never really stopped to like refigure things out from the bottom up, you know? Yeah. That's what I mean about the, like the lack of intentionality. Like there, it's just too easy just to say like, okay, sure. Like, well, you know, you can work from home and, and yeah. that, that's not going to work. And that's what, I mean, that like more or less, that's what a, a vast majority of companies are, are doing. I mean, I've, normal statistics show around like 75% of companies identify now or expect to identify in the next year as a hybrid organization. So most companies are going in that direction. They're not going remote first. That's not the, that's not the norm. Um, Cause that's it's harder the outlier. Yeah. It's harder. I mean, it, it takes, yeah. you know, it takes, it takes a lot of effort. Um, but, but a vast majority of that 75% are just kind of like flipping this proverbial switch yeah. and being like, yeah, let's we're hybrid now. And the, the other thing that really kind of rubs me is like, and I, I know it would you too is if you have any element of like, even if you're like, hey, you have to be in the office one day a week, just one, that robs you of a huge portion of the flexibility that remote workers mm-hmm. really want. I'm living in Valencia, Spain right now, man. You're uh, in Mexico and I, you know, I'm not sure where, but and that's what's awesome is I don't know exactly where you are because you, you can live where you want. And so we would never be in that organization. And I think that talent, I think ultimately talent is going to dictate this and say, that, you know, this is what I've come to know personally. This is what you've come to know personally. So we can never go back. What happens when that starts becoming the norm for, you know, hundreds of millions of knowledge workers when they go, I can't go back. I'm sorry. And that, yeah. that's what will, that's what will take place. And, and the other kind of like effect of what you're, you know, speaking about, like, think about just like, like the benefit of cities and small towns. Like one of the things that like when COVID happened, like one of the silver linings was like all of a sudden all these small towns that could offer a higher quality of life to these uh, knowledge workers could compete, right? Like, okay, great. Like your company's in New York City, come out to, you know, Virginia or North Carolina or whatever, because like you can be remote. And so a lot of these smaller towns benefited from it. Like you said, like even if you have to come into the office once a week, immediately puts like uh i saw it referred to as like the donut the economical donut around like a city right like what is the furthest that i can go if i want to get away from the urban center that still allows me to to be able to come in like once a week you know and like it completely it completely robs the benefit that we can provide to small towns or or smaller economic you know centers that could now compete for this talent you know that's it yeah it seems like such a small thing on the surface that's why you just have to like dust off the the surface level layer of of uh of dirt there to see like there's so many problems with that and it and it really does kind of ruin the whole concept um, if not ruin it, taints it very, very terribly. And uh, for me personally, someone who's like really into location independence and wants to see one of the main reasons I want to see remote work is so that people can have that location independence and not just so they can be digital nomads and, you know, travel the world. That's that's an awesome perk. But for some of the reasons like you were talking about, like the things that that can do for sustainability and how it can help uh, spark, you know, economic innovation and, and developing part of the world. All that goes away when you just say like one day a week, you got to be in the office. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so 
there's a you know there's some depth there that uh that i think again is like not really being given the the conversation that it deserves but i do agree with you that i think the genie's out of the bottle because mm. talent will dictate this and like the people who have the skills that are in demand are going to be able to dictate the rules. And once they've gotten the taste, like you said, they're going to be like, no, I don't like, this is like, this is silly. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're going to, you know, maybe people went out there and bought houses. You know, I have friends who were living and working in New York and then COVID hit and they're like, well, we're definitely getting out of New York. And they moved to North Carolina and they bought a house in North Carolina. If their jobs were like, okay, time for you to come back in, they'd be like, no, I'm just going to get another job. Right. You know what and they so shouldn't do have, though? They, they shouldn't buy a house in Greensboro, North Carolina near that gas tank because, um, I mean, that thing's definitely getting <laughs> they, blown up. They need, they need to check if the just, radius just make sure has you been let like them know. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, well, we can Google that these the days. House. They already bought the house. So, like, I can either be the bearer of bad news or good news. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I think, like, talent will dictate this because it's like, you know, people are going to be able to say, like, they already saw the, the taste. There's, even if some companies decided to come back to the office, there's, a number of other ones that are like, nope, this is great. Let's like, let's keep rolling with this. So there's more options for these people to choose. And I think like talent is going to go to the best companies or the best talent is going to go to the companies that provide the most freedom. Um, yeah. By the way, fun fact, I am in Mexico and I'm in Puerto Vallarta and my window is overlooking the Pacific Ocean and I'm watching a whale jump out of the water right now and <laughs> breach and like splash into the, uh, this is, it's, uh, this sounds epic. bad. I'm kind of like throwing it out there, but uh, you can't not see a whale jump out of the yeah. water and like <laughs> comment on it. Dude, it's a good thing you don't have to go into the office one day a week because you wouldn't have seen that. Uh. <laughs> I wouldn't have seen this. That's great. Uh, topic sealed. We have this is just we just played the Trump card. It's over. Um, Dude, whales jumping. But, we didn't even put that in the script. I mean, that's uh, <sighs> that's amazing. Yeah, my wife, uh, she was on a call like last week and she said that it happened as well because I thought the season was over. So like we wouldn't be seeing this anymore. Um, but she said she was on a call with like a client and all of a sudden she starts seeing this. She's like, she's like, do I bring it up? Like, I now sound like a dick if I bring it up. Like I'm in, you know, watching like whales. Now so, you can tell um, her, be like, no, no worries. You you definitely bring it up. I did it live yeah, yeah. on the uh, on the pod. <laughs> so in wrapping up, man, like what else are you excited about? Uh, is there anything that it, that you've seen or anything that's kind of like gotten you stoked that you're pumped about, like any tech or anything like that? Uh, just like, yeah, what are you excited about uh, in the world or in remote, like wherever you want to go with that? So, I mean, one of the things that I have loved uh, about this rapid transition to remote becoming a thing is all the the services that are being designed now to to help make remote operate to make it function to make it you know optimized i mean i feel like we didn't really know this before but we were you know been doing remote work for 13 14 years something like that and we're just kind of doing it at a very subpar level in a lot of ways and just hacking stuff together uh, because you, you know, you had to, but it felt good in the moment. I mean, I guess this is kind of a perpetual thing because we're always going to be evolving, you know, Neuralink's next, but, um, <laughs> like we were, you know, we were hacking stuff together with spreadsheets and, and then, you know, and then like, oh, Google docs came along and Google sheets. And you're like, oh, that's cool. We can work in the cloud. And like, but it's still looking back just a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, it's like, man, we were in the stone age. Um, and mm -hmm. so like, for instance, like I'm, I'm super stoked about these, uh, like all the in real life, per, in, you know, the in-person events that are happening again. I'm, I'm really happy about 
something that kind of like binds my work together is I love the human element of remote work. I like making it human and functional and social and, and giving people like that spoke on the wheel, so to speak, you know, so they get like the whole experience of having a really good remote work experience and the social element and the, the personal connections is, is part of that. And figuring out how to do that across distances is, is something that I feel like we were doing in like a, a beta version <laughs> for a long time. And so we're starting to see like all kinds of tools, tech, um, that are emerging to, to help facilitate that in a, in a lot of different ways from, you know, virtual stuff, virtual games and virtual team building events and stuff like that. I'm talking to tons of companies that are doing things on that end of the spectrum, but then also, uh, people that are building platforms for, to help facilitate team offsites and to, uh, to help make the travel logistics better that those kind of things right now are making my world way more fun, way more efficient, um, and, and ultimately producing, you know, better results for everyone. So there's, there's a lot like in, in that whole area that, that really excites me. Yeah. Like we've really just begun to scratch the surface. Like it's like a whole new industry that's like forming, uh, I mean your position head of remote, right? Like we've talked about this before where it's like, you know, it's kind of like, what do we, what do we call it once? It's like, you know, having like a head of the internet in the nineties when like you were like, I don't know, this is going to be big, but I don't really know what it is. So like, let me hire somebody to like, think about this for me. Like, I do think like, you know, there, there's a position in a career that, uh, didn't exist two years ago, yeah. you know, yeah, or at least yeah, at the same exactly. level. No, yeah. 100% yeah. true. I mean, like, like I, at our company, you know, at Doist, we were doing a lot of the same things, uh, but the, all these, the things that I'm doing, um, like events were kind of getting planned, um, you know, or we were kind of looking at tools to help facilitate better asynchronous communication or whatever it might be. But like, it was sort of shared. And it was, again, just like kind of trying to do it at a, at a basic level. And I just, I think that's what I like. I don't like doing anything at like kind of a half-ass, in a half-ass mm -hmm. way. And it, and it feels like in the past, we were like, well, you know, we got this remote work thing and we're just going to make it work as best we can. We got to kind of hack it together. And it's cool to like raise the, raise the ceiling a little bit. It's it, that, that's a lot of fun. Where do you guys at Doist like, and I don't know if these are even discussions that you have had, uh, or maybe there's somebody else on the team who's had these discussions, but like, where do you stand on like cryptocurrencies? And the reason why I'm bringing this up is I feel like that is going to be a very exciting development when these two worlds overlap more because there's already some overlap that is very interesting but like in many ways crypto and remote work and like location independence and etc cetera, etc cetera, all the different terms that you want to throw in that bucket are kind of talking about the same thing and they already have a lot of overlap it's just that the overlap hasn't like finished overlapping uh yeah. in that way like have you guys like thought about that like like, how do we incorporate that? Or like, what is it? Where does that go? Like, as just yeah. like a topic, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's all connected to decentralization, right? And like, mm -hmm. you know, d democratization of fill in the blank. And, um, and so, you know, yeah, it's a it's it's a constant topic of conversation. Um, on like a very functional level, like, do we accept crypto as a form of paying for Todoist? <laughs> and then like on a more like meta level, you know, how does this fit into our vision for the future of work and the future of the, of, uh, you know, humanity that we would love to influence in our own little way? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, when you work with a bunch of really smart 
people, you get a, you hear a lot of really intelligent conversation. And I feel like I'm on the outside of that looking in sometimes. Like I listen to your show and I hear you talk to the crypto experts and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm just trying to keep up and, and speak the same language <laughs> as these guys. <laughs> well, you know, like one of the things that I saw recently that is very exciting is I don't know if you're familiar with like Balaji at all um, or Naval, but one of the things that Naval talked about was how like in the future you're going to be able to have like you're going to have this like profile, which kind of like, you know, going full circle with something like Upwork is maybe like a very early level version of this where you have some sort of profile where you're respecting a certain industry and like projects just come your way. Right. And you're like, great, I'm going to do like three months of work. I'm going to make 10, 20 K and then I'm going to go rest for a month because I know that like when I come back and I go back online, quote unquote, there's going to be more projects coming my way because of my status. And like, I just saw this platform, which is obviously very, very early stage, but it looks really cool where it's kind of like uh, to throw out a competitor that's not a competitor like we talked about earlier, like a Trello board. But the cool thing is like every single block that is like a task is actually something that you can compete for as a worker. So like imagine like saying like, I want to build this product and as a you know product manager or designer, I've mapped out the entire process and now I've put it up on the internet and different experts who are like experts and have experience in these different parts of this entire project can actually bid to win this little piece of the pie. And essentially you're kind of like opening up like, great, I have this giant idea. I'm going to let the market compete for it and I'm going to get like the best possible price for building it. But I've also like literally just like built this entire thing without really doing anything like it to me this was like the next step of platforms like upwork uh you know these sort of like freelancing quote-unquote platforms and to me like that sounds like if they can figure out how to do that like i'm very bummed that i can't remember the name of that platform um if i can find it i'll put it in the show notes but like that's dope like that's so exciting yeah. like imagine like the new version of you know todoist being completely like open sourced in this way where you're like here's what the map of the product looks like. I'll let you guys bid for it and just build it. And I'll just like glue the pieces together. Dude, this, I mean, this V2 of all these tools is, is coming. I mean, we're, we are like, we're talking about this kind of stuff uh, as well. And like, I'm not even talking like doing it behind the scenes. And, and it, that's, that's what I, you know, when you asked me earlier, like what's really exciting, that's what's exciting is that, that raising of the ceiling. It's like, let's take what we've done before and just take it to a whole nother level because mm -hmm. Web3 and I mean, everything that it's like this just influx of, of opportunity is out there. And I don't know if it's just always been there and, and different types of waves. This is just another wave, but this wave feels bigger and, and like one you can really like, you know, catch and ride. So um, I think the next couple of years are going to be very exciting on, on this front. And I'm not even like a super like tool techie person in terms of like, like being up and on the, on the up to date on like the cutting edge of technology and stuff. I mean, I just, you know, for instance, just admitting, like I, I, you know, listen to you guys talk about crypto sometimes and feel like a, a grandfather, like listening in on his grandkids. And I'm like, what? But some of this stuff is like just super exciting and you can't help but get excited about it um, no matter where you are. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm just most excited about Todoist putting a progress bar in 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 the app. I think would be an incredible thing. I, I said, hey, listen, there's there's a free dinner for somebody whoever like puts that in there. Um, but Love yeah, it. you know, it's 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 exciting things. Well, Chase, man, uh, always always a pleasure uh, to have you on and to chat. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time, of course. Uh, and I want to let you have the ability to run away from Valencia uh, after this call. But man, uh, anything that you want to wrap up with, anything that's going on in your world that you want to let people know about, uh, you know, where can people find you on social, of course? Yeah, yeah, man. Well, uh, always a pleasure for sure. I, I absolutely love coming on the show, love listening to it. And uh, I look forward to more random shows, just just shooting it with you here. Um, so yeah, thank you again, Mitko. People want to talk remote work with me. The best place to do that is, is LinkedIn or uh, since the last time we spoke, I'm back. I'm on Twitter now. So at uh, DC Warrington and um, yeah, find me on LinkedIn, Chase Warrington. Our Duos blog is awesome for remote work content. Uh, if, uh, I, I contribute a little bit there, but our team's been contributing to a dedicated remote work and team productivity section for, for years. Um, so tons of stuff there which uh which we can provide a link to as well and um and yeah i mean and also you know i just launched season four of the podcast uh my podcast is about abroad and uh you can learn more at aboutabroad.com but it's very specifically about you know digital nomads and re- remote workers and expats building a life for themselves um in foreign countries around the world so we kind of dive into all that that is that it that it means to uh to be a foreigner abroad and uh yeah highly highly recommend you guys check out about abroad um i love your podcast i think you've done such a phenomenal job with it so anybody listening should definitely go check it out thanks man appreciate it ditto